Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 10th of June, and on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1930 and we travel to Berlin, where today Carl Gustav Adolf von Harnack died, an influential German theologian and historian who pioneered the efforts to free Christianity from what he called its acute Hellenization in the early church's development in the Roman Empire. The Hellenic spirit, which wasn't clearly defined by von Harnack, referred to the Greek influence in Greco-Roman culture that he believed had corroded authentic Christianity into an institutionalized and dogmatic religion and it led to the ossification of a dynamic movement and most seriously had allowed heresies to emerge. This is now a very contentious academic position in theology and church history. And Hornack, who was also a major force in German scientific circles, served as a member of the Prussian Academy of Sciences and other major institutes. In recognition of his achievements in Germany, he was ennobled in 1914 leading to his name to be changed, and he became von Harnack. But his acceptance of this title may have compromised his much-vaunted academic freedom and made him closer to and a supporter of the establishment. At a time when Germany were about to enter the wrong side of two world wars. One of the distinctive characteristics of Harnack's work was his insistence on absolute freedom in the study of church history and in the New Testament. He held that there could be no taboo areas of research that could not be critically examined. For instance, his radical views on John's Gospel. Although the four Gospels have been regarded as canonical since Irenaeus in the second century, Harnack, like earlier German scholars, rejected the Gospel of John as being without historical value regarding Jesus' actual life. This is now dismissed as an extreme thesis. And he wrote, The fourth Gospel, which does not emanate or profess to emanate from the Apostle John, cannot be taken as an historical authority in the ordinary meaning of the word. The author of it acted with sovereign freedom, transposed events and put them in a strange light, drew up the discourses himself and illustrated great thoughts by imaginary situations. Although therefore his work is not altogether devoid of a real, if scarcely recognisable traditional element, it can hardly make any claim to be considered an authority for Jesus' history. Only little of what he says can be accepted, and that little with caution. From a modern standpoint, Harnack's thesis shows a naive view of historicity. All of the Gospels pass from an oral tradition into a final written form, and it's currently the settled consensus that John's Gospel, although the latest of the canonical Gospels, was written around the year 1110 and was finally edited by a Johannine community after John's death. Raymond E. Brown, in his influential book, 
The Community of the Beloved Disciple, published in 1979, identified three layers of text in John. Firstly, an initial version that Brown considers to be based on a personal experience of Jesus. Secondly, a structured literary creation by the evangelist which draws upon additional sources. And the third layer is the edited version that readers know today. Brown has been described as the premier Yonine scholar in the English-speaking world. What now appears to be the blunt historical approach of Hornack has since been criticised by many biblical scholars in recent times, including fellow German intellectual Joseph Ratzinger. When he had become Pope Benedict and published Jesus of Nazareth in 2007, he acknowledged the importance of the historical critical method as a useful first step. However, the Pope goes on to critique the views of Jesus as history scholars, such as von Harnack and Rudolf Boltmann, both Protestants, saying that they were constrained by a type of reductionism where they viewed the probable and measurable as solely of value, and they relegated miracles to the realm of doubt or myth. Their hermeneutical suspicion, said Ratzinger, sparked anti-Christologies, leaving genuine seekers for Christ submerged in endless scholarly conflicts and questioning, wondering if the Gospels themselves were genuine. When the historical research was in danger of becoming the highest doctrinal authority of the Church, and it ignored the importance and the value of the Church's intellectual tradition and conciliar authority. For more about the critique of the quest for the historical Jesus, see the podcast of January the 14th. Following the line of von Harnack, traditional Christologies are rejected. Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God sent sent to earth to die for our sins. Rather, he is one of us, who, as a man, simply had an unusual degree of experiential contact with God. Harnack argues that he says remarkably little about himself. Having found existential freedom himself, his only goal is to help us find it, a bit like a guru. Harnack saw Jesus as a liberal religious reformer, who was opposed by the legalistic tradition of the Pharisees. His view that Jesus' thought was original and had little in common with the Pharisees, however, was criticised as a lapse in his usually fine scholarship by the German-Jewish theologian Leo Baeck. Baeck pointed out that the Pharisees were actually a diverse group that included liberal as well as conservative elements and that some of Jesus' teachings appeared to have been borrowed from the great Pharisaic sages such as Hillel the Elder. Hornack's methodology, his hermeneutic of suspicion, led him to be sceptical about the miracles reported in the Bible, arguing that Jesus and other biblical figures may well have performed acts of faith healing. That the earth in its course stood still, that the she-ass spoke, that a storm was quieted by a word we do not believe and we shall never again believe. 
but that the lame walked, the blind saw and the deaf heard, we will, will not be so summarily dismissed as an illusion. His other summary dismissals would eventually be rejected themselves by the academic community, but his influence was widespread and long-lasting. As Hornack at the time was one of the most prolific and stimulating of modern critical scholars. Although he held academic appointments in theology and church history, he was denied ecclesiastical posts. Exercising broad influence in Protestant churches, his masterful teaching and his solid learning earned him an enthusiastic following amongst his students, many of whom rose to positions of ecclesial leadership. He thus influenced a whole generation of teachers who carried his ideas and methods throughout the whole of Germany and beyond. However, there has since been some sort of realignment, led by the reformed theologian Karl Barth. See the pod of May the 10th. He saw the dangers of von Harnack's liberal theological position, when he argued, which he argued tended to identify earthly cultural accomplishments, especially in Germany, with Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God. As if to underline the point, in September 1914, Harnack's ideas dangerously overreached into the world of geopolitics. Hornack was one of 93 German intellectuals who signed a manifesto to the cultured world, announcing their support of the Kaiser's war policy. It was at the beginning of the First World War, and the manifesto has since been widely discredited and has damaged the now ennobled von Harnack's credibility. The manifesto stated that we shall carry on this war to the end as a civilised nation, to whom the legacy of a Goethe, a Beethoven and a Kant is just as sacred as its own halves and homes. In fact, it was from Kant that the 19th century tradition to synthesise God and human culture took its inspiration. This academic project was carried on especially by German theologians such as Schleiermacher, Hegel and Harnack. But also Samuel Taylor Coleridge in England and Walter Rauschenbusch in America. Harnack's overconfidence about the accomplishment of German culture in Christendom would be part of the growth of what proved to be a dangerous type of nationalism in Germany. He saw in the history of the development of world culture that the three nations of Germany, Britain and America have been placed at the apex of humanity with a solemn obligation to civilise the rest of the world. From his point of view, especially Germany had made powerful progress, and this had not been welcomed by the old powers such as Britain. To von Harnack, Britain's reluctance to accept the cultural development of Germany was the main cause of the war, and any legal discussion about who attacked first was secondary. Harnack apparently defended this point all his life, even after the futility and the horrors of the First World War were made plain. And this obstinance can now be seen as dangerous. Three years after he died, the Reichstag passed the Enabling Act of 1933, which gave Adolf Hitler's Nationalist Party 
unprecedented powers. This led to the conditions in which the Nazis could coerce most of the evangelical churches into their racist ideology. And for Kolbart, it was the liberal tradition of von Harnack that subverted Christ's lordship and allowed the cult of the Führer to replace it. See the pod of May the 30th. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the day the talented North American communicator Fulton Sheen was consecrated a bishop and he would go on to win an Emmy. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Visit us on www.pogp.net and if you'd like to contact us to request a topic or ask any questions then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com Have a lovely day wherever you are and thanks for listening.